This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. TL Talk Radio Season 2, Episode 31. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 31 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funihetten and Randy Ziganfus, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziganfus. And I'm Lynn Funihetten. Good morning. Good morning, Lynn. Who do we have today? So great opportunity to talk with an author of a book, which we have been using in our school district for a couple of years as we rolled out our teaching and learning um, transformation. Um, Today we're talking with Jason Brand. Jason is a psychotherapist and also author of that book, One to One at Home, A Parent's Guide to School-Issued Laptops and Tablets. And written from the perspective of a family therapist who works to help families get to the heart of these complicated matters uh, with digital devices at home, the guidebook addresses the home side of the one-to-one programs, giving parents the language to keep conversations on track and providing the perspectives of other adults, educators, and parents who have experienced these similar challenges. In addition to his psychotherapy practice, Jason specializes in providing support to families in a rapidly changing world where digital technologies are transforming our lives. His work takes place in schools and with organizations where he leads workshops about safety, trust, awareness, and respect in the digital age. Great to have you here, Jason. Thanks, Randy. Hi, Lynn. Hello. Uh, Let's start off with uh, what Warren Berger calls a beautiful question, one that is ambitious and actionable. So when you were doing this work on this book of one-to-one at home, what was the beautiful question or idea that was inspiring you to do this work? Well, you know, it's funny. I sort of fell into, I was doing a bunch of internet safety talks at that time. I mean, this was was a few years ago and you know I and I happened to find myself in a few one-to-one schools and I just saw a really unique set of issues uh, blurred boundaries between work and play between studying and messing around between public and private and between home and school and that brings us to the beautiful question which is how do we take into account the whole child when we are when we're blurring boundaries and changing things with all of this technology and i think from our perspective now this is a fifth year of having our middle and high school students taking their devices home and it can be a, a disruptive element in in the home and working with parents i think is is oftentimes from the educator perspective a, a missing link something that that we miss and i think that your work and your book has really helped us to to make that connection and bring to the surface the importance of making that connection thank you thank you yeah and i mean you know really a lot of this stuff i mean you know it 
it, it does get complicated and it, it adds this whole other element that we'll talk about today. But the, it comes down to how do you help parents to have to get to the heart of the matter and have difficult conversations about things like homework and about things like how much time should you spend messing around versus how much time should you spend focused on your chores and on extracurricular activities. So, um, you know, it's really helping parents to have difficult conversations and now the school's in it in a different kind of way because the device is so flexible. And what's great about your book is you do scaffold the conversations, but also provide opportunities for parents to make their own decisions instead of telling parents, you know, what's the best way to handle it, but to use it in their context, in their home with their children. Yeah. So what are some of the most common challenges that parents experience when they have that school-issued device, whether it's a laptop or an iPad, whatever that might be, when it comes into the home, what are some of those challenges? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the the biggest challenges, like we talked about, are kind of the blurred boundaries between home and school, uh, work and play, and the you know, I mean, all of a sudden this device lands in the home, and it's a lot of its use is dictated by others, um, and others being the school, and in a lot of families they've had these sort of they set up these sort of tenuous plans about, well, here's how much screen time you have, and here's how we're going to manage this, you know, this already complicated digital mess that that families are in <laughs> at this time in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the school drops in this device, and it gets complicated. I mean, just to put a little flesh on it, um, the thing that I hear the most in my practice when I'm meeting with families is, you know, we try to implement 1030 or you know, eight thirty, depending on the age of the kid, mm-hmm. um, when the, when he he or she should be off the device, and all of a sudden, like you know, at six thirty or eight thirty or ten thirty, then they say, well, I've got all the schoolwork to do- be done, and it needs to happen on the computer, and I'm just totally confused about you know, because every time I walk in the room, they're switching, toggling <laughs> from one screen to the other, and uh-huh. I don't know how to manage this thing, mm-hmm. so. Um, that's sort of like what it looks like in day-to-day life in, I think, for a lot of families. Mm-hmm. So setting those setting those boundaries. And I have a 13-year-old, so I'm living that. The one thing he wants to do more than anything else is work on his computer upstairs. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. so, you know, definitely, definitely understand these challenges and, and the challenge of the for fun or the entertainment and then also that schoolwork. Right. Right, and what you guys strike you guys strike me as pretty, you know, um, you know that 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 you're you get behind the computer stuff, and that you sort of understand sort of how to harness it, both probably in your work and at home. I think for one thing that's really challenging for parents is that their their values, you know, that are just they they think, well, I don't value technology mm-hmm. in the way that the school has put this value in place, <clears throat> and you know, and so and so for a lot of families, it's it's it comes down to this sort of, well, what do we do when it goes against our values? Um, and uh, and so that I think that's just another big challenge that families mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we've had pushback from from parents, it's that's been some of the familiar pushback. The sort of like we really aren't happy that you've now made parenting much more difficult. That there's now this new dimension, and and mm-hmm. I didn't want to go down this road, but now you're making me go down this road. And we do actually offer our parents the opportunity to. Uh, have the student leave the computer at home. And sure. a handful, a very small number, choose to do that too. But then there's those social pressures too that they're putting on their kid. And I think they don't really want to do that too. So, you know, I think as educators, we do need to be very aware of that 
the the parent lens and and the sort of position that we're putting them in, uh, yeah. and helping them understand the value of um, using the device. So once this device gets home, uh-huh. uh, what guidelines or responsibilities should parents establish? Uh, what what are your suggestions there? Well, I think before establishing any guidelines or rules, uh, the parents need to wrap their minds around the idea of the device. So that's the that's the first piece, and um, and I, because I mean we can talk more about credibility and doing all this stuff with credibility, but uh, but you know I I don't think that you can parent around something that you don't understand, um, and so you know and, and generally I see parents falling into two groups, and the 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 it's sort of the the one group is you know hey the school's doing this they got it figured out so we don't have to worry about it at all. That's group one. Group two is, oh my God, you know, uh, this is really going to disrupt an already um, volatile area in our house, and it makes these that group of parents quite anxious. Uh, and I think you know each needs something different. I think the the group of parents who uh, who say, oh, the school's got it figured out, that they need to get that actually this is going to change things, and they need to wrap their minds around it. Um, then the group that's really anxious, I think, needs to partner with the school and be able to kind of work through, all right, maybe we need to, like you said, Randy, kind of step it in here in a way where it stays home and then we slowly begin to integrate it. Um, so that's sort of just wrapping your mind around it. And from there, I think you can have more of an attitude of, hey, you know, this isn't just the school or this isn't just, you know, us alone. It's we're all in this together mm-hmm. is kind of the first attitude piece. Um, and then from there, you can then then I think it gets kind of tricky because parents uh, have what they have to do is they have to say, well, it comes from the school, but it's our responsibility as parents. And so it falls under a lot of the same jurisdiction as things like bedtime, as things mm-hmm. like values around homework. And parents need to be able to say, actually, I know it comes from the school, but um, you know, staying up till midnight on it is not okay in our house. Um, we actually still need to have a bedtime. We still need to have a time where you get up in the morning. Um, and so a lot of it is kind of is getting parents in a position where they go, okay, the school's got our back, and now we can put in the kind of rules that make sense in our house. Mm-hmm. And those are going to look a lot like the values that parents are already using. Mm-hmm. So in conjunction with this, you know, how do you use this tool and when can you use this tool and, you know, how does it fit into our values it's also important for parents to discuss digital footprint and, and what students do and when they put something online, what that means. You know, from your perspective and in your role, why is that important? Yeah, digital footprint is a really interesting one because it kind of it's kind of falls right in the middle here of these of the blurred boundaries. I mean, when a school gives a kid a laptop or a tablet, uh, any kind of device, what they're giving them is they're increasing their digital footprint. Right. I mean, because they're going to be producing way more digital data uh, with with within the school environment. Uh, And so um, and then on the other hand, so that that, there's that piece and they're going to be doing a lot of socializing on these devices, too. I've got a 10 year old at home who's doing a ton of socializing now over Google Docs. You know, I mean, Google Docs are functioning like a social network for her. She's not on social on any social media yet. Um, so it, it creates this this whole new kind of, well, you know, it's happening at school, it's happening at home. Um, I think one thing that parents, so, so what this requires 
is that parents take a kind of bottom-up approach as opposed to top-down, I know best about digital footprint and here's what we do because none of us, the truth is none of us really know what's happening with our digital footprints because it's, we're amassing a huge one. Um, I think the, the, um, I don't think parents should rely on, well, employers are going to look at this and colleges are going to look at this because kids have heard that and they're starting to do a lot of things to kind of, to kind of maneuver around that. Um, at least savvy kids are. Um, I think when it comes to digital footprint, where you really want to be in your role as parent is first to to be in a position where your kid gets tired of showing you things before you get tired of seeing things in terms of their digital life. So if you've got a kid who loves Minecraft, you're spending some time understanding what they're doing on Minecraft um, without you know, saying, you know, that looks dangerous first. That if you've got a kid who's got a big social media life, you have a sense of what they're doing there. And from there, you begin to have a conversation. This part of it made me uncomfortable. This part of it, you know, felt to me like it was it was kind of the same thing you do at school, but I was worried that somebody else might see it here. Um, what are they doing about school in terms of you guys using these things socially? Partnering with the school. I mean, so it takes sort of a, a bottom-up, we're going to have to learn this together kind of approach, I think is the best and most realistic way to look at our digital footprints with, within families. So we really are asking parents to take on some additional responsibility in a new dimension of parenting, and that is understanding, as you mentioned earlier, understanding like why why use this device, why is it important, what are the benefits of it, and also the idea of the digital footprint and you know why w- help me understand how you're how you're how we develop this and and then start to set some of the parameters and, and conditions right. around that too. So, um, you know, it really does require parents to, to take on a new responsibility, it seems. In certain ways, yeah. I mean, but, you know, I think in a lot of ways, in terms of if we're talking about social media and digital footprint or even, you know, Minecraft, I mean, games and stuff, uh, you know, you want to know where your kid is going, who they're going with, um, you know, when they're going to be home. I mean, these are things that parents already know mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to put parents in a position where they can kind of lower the anxiety. Oh, my God, I got to go learn about digital footprint. Well, you got to learn about your kid, what they're into. You got to ask the questions. You got to have the conversations. And from there, I think parents will know what to do about it. Um, so yeah, they have to get involved in this domain because it's so much of our lives is happening in it. And yeah, they have to bring the same values and principles of parenting to that domain as they do to the rest of life. I've learned how my child's using this device and I've you know, sort of become very much of an observer. And now I have to set some parameters or have some conversations around the screen time. And we hear all sorts of varying opinions around what's too much, et cetera. So what are your suggestions in terms of having that conversation? Yeah, the screen time conversation. I mean, it's the the question I get asked the most when I do (laughs) workshops, and I'm sure you guys are very familiar with it too. Um, You know, it requires us to be in kind of two places at once, uh, which is, you know, I mean, as a therapist, that's what, that's what, I do all day long is, you know, at one, at one level, you have to be really mad at your parents um, because developmentally, you know, Lynn, your 13-year-old, that's probably something he's got to do to leave the nest. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, he lives under your roof and he's got to, and he's got to play by your rules and he's got to have some good time with you. Um, so we have to hold on to two things at once with screen time. The first piece is that, um, is that we have to make room for the rest of life. I mean, the devices are so consuming and they're everywhere in our lives now. So we, we, have to, we have to figure out a way to make room for the rest of life. At the same time, we have to, we have to get away from this notion of screen time. 
because it doesn't really work. It, uh, you know, I mean, all screens, what's happening on screens is not created equal. A lot of different stuff is going on on screens. A lot of it really, really pro-social and a lot of it really, really pro-development. So we have to be able to get behind that stuff. Um, I really encourage parents to focus on, to, to not focus on the number of hours or minutes or seconds the kids are using it, but the rest of life. And what I mean by that is for a younger kid, it looks like, you know, yeah, you can have some screen time um, once your shoes are on and your backpack is packed and you've got breakfast in your tummy and you're all ready to go to school and you can get on, you know, for 15 minutes if you can get all that done quickly. And then when it's time to go, um, you know, I'm going to say, you know, hey, sweetie, it's time to get off the computer now so we can get to school. And if you can show me that you can get off quickly, then you've earned that time. And it's not really about time. It's about what goes on in the rest of life. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, and for older kids, it looks like, hey, you know, I know you're, I know you're developing, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, that that you have a lot of homework and that you're stressed out and it's junior year. But at the same time, I need to know that you've got some sort of bedtime process where you're winding yourself down. And if you're not mature enough to, you know, to kind of to kind of do that yourself, and if I'm having to get you up every morning and shake you and say, hey, you know, Randy, it's time to go to school. Um, <laughs> You know, then then that's not you're not really showing me you're mature enough to handle that responsibility. And so I'm going to have to check the device in with me at night. Um, and, you know, and so I really try to get parents into a place where they're getting in front of it, setting smart limits around screen time that have to do with the rest of life that have to do with. And this is a big one for me when I talk to parents um, is how do you regulate each other? How many, how much, how much really, you know, how much fireworks are happening when you try to get your kid off the device? I'd rather see people have easy takeoffs and smooth landings than have fights about, you know, than, than worry about screen time. I want parents to be able to help their kid move from the screen to the rest of life in a calm way. That's really where I put a lot of my attention. And that's such an interesting concept because I, I love the way you phrase that not all screen time is created equal. Because there are things that are much better than others. You know, watch, watching a video to, to learn something is not the same as, you know, fighting in a Minecraft, <laughs> fighting in a Minecraft game. Or, um, you know, creating a video is not the same as playing a game. So that's, that's a really interesting perspective um, for parents to think about. And more importantly, how is it impacting the rest of your, the rest of your life? Yeah, I really like, you know, the MacArthur, um, when they did that big study, it was a bunch of years ago, but um, they basically broke screen, down, screen time down into three mm -hmm. different parts, which was uh, hanging around, messing around, and geeking out. Mm -hmm. um, and I find that that's a really helpful sort of way to look at it for parents it, because, of course, parents want their kids to be, you know, learning ukulele from YouTube, you know, um, and they're not so crazy about them just kind of, you know, you know, just, just hanging out, you know, digging in Minecraft or whatever it happens to be. Um, so hanging around, messing around, and hanging out, messing around, and geeking out, I think, is a useful tool for screen time. Yeah, that's definitely something we're going to look into. We'll find something on that and link it in the show notes for our listeners oh, great. as well. Oh, great. Yeah. So, you know, you, you determine your values and you talk about digital footprint and um, – you give kids a little freedom and they're going to make mistakes, right? I mean, we know this is this is what happens, just like they're going to make mistakes in school and they're going to make mistakes with their friends and on the bus. And um, so how do you suggest parents respond when children use these devices inappropriately or they make a bad choice or a mistake? 
Well, first of all, uh, I always say to parents, who did you hear it from, right? So if your kid comes to you and says, hey, you know, mom, dad, I screwed up and this happened, um, that means a lot. It means a lot when your kid is able to come to you. And, um, and so if your kid comes to you and you don't hear it from the principal or you don't hear it from the neighbor or, the, or, your, fr- or your parent, you know, a friend, uh, then you say thank you. I'm so glad that I get to hear it from you first, and that must have been a hard thing to do. So, you, you know, uh, I like the um, nonviolent communication uh, saying of uh, connection before correction. You know, so in order to get to the best place with our kids, it's a really good idea to connect with them before we do the correction. Uh, and generally, you know, when kids screw up, uh, two things, two, there's, there's usually just, you know, a couple possibilities. One is that they got in over their heads in something that they, that they didn't know about, um, that they, they were trying something or, you know, they kind of they went too far on something. The other is that parents haven't made a boundary or a limit clear enough for their kid. Um, and so really in either case, what parents want to do is, is you know, I, I think punishment has, has limited legs. Um, you know, certain times we have to punish by taking things away, by saying actually, you know, what happened on on, you know, Instagram or, um, you know, what happened in this arena means that we kind of have to take it, take it away just to get a sense of what's going on. But really, I think the most effective way, the most effective consequence for kids is when parents get in front of it and they say, okay, so if, if your kid doesn't have any limits around their Instagram account and something happens on Instagram, they post something inappropriate. That is an, that's, that's a moment where parents, I think, have to take a step back and go, okay, our kid has shown us that he or she is not responsible enough to be able to manage this tool that has real, you know, that has real power. It can connect to a lot of people. Um, so we need to kind of dial it back and we need to set some limits, put some limits in place that have our child show us that they're responsible enough to manage these, to manage this tool. So it might be, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to need to know your usernames and passwords for a while. Um, and yeah, you're going to have the kind of mom or the kind of dad who's going to be checking in on this for a while. And so th- there's the kind of there's the plan. Here's how we're going to here's how you're going to show us that you're responsible enough to earn this back. And then there's the uh, the part which I think is, is really challenging for parents um, because the flow of life goes so fast is actually this is kind of a reset moment. What you've shown us is that we need to get involved in a different kind of way. So so all, the adults in the room, first of all, get their heads together. Here's what we saw. Here's what we're feeling. Without the kid, they put their mind together. They sit down with the kid. They say, here's what we, you know, connection before correction. I imagine this is hard for you, too. Uh, what's the hardest part? You know, where, where do you feel like you could have done better? Where do you feel like it wasn't, you know, something that you could have controlled? Where do you think maybe we could have done better in helping you? Okay, great. We've heard from you. Now, let's, let's, um, we, you know, your your parents have thought this through. Your parent has thought this through, and here's how it's going to be different going forward. Because we want you to be able to show us that you're mature enough to be able to handle this. And this incident made it so that we didn't feel comfortable with that. I mean, that's sort of the that that's really the way that I like to help parents to conceptualize when the stuff hits the fan. How do you go about kind of reining it back in? Yeah, really valuable framework. I think that uh, our parents will find very useful. So you've spent some time uh, investigating and thinking about this idea of one-to-one devices at home and how to help parents manage that. 
Um, and you have a, obviously a busy practice right now. And so what other kind of curiosities are you working on? Are there, is there any, any questions you're currently thinking about? Yeah, currently, well, I, the, this has been an interesting year because I did a bunch of workshops with administrators at schools around uh, one-to-ones. And really what I found was that, um, you know, the idea that the whole community needs to get involved in order to support um, the home actually applies to everybody. You know, it applies to administrators who are feeling overwhelmed with, you know, the parent calls. And it applies to teachers who feel like they got to carry these things out, you know, because the school spent all this money to get these devices into their hands. Um, And so, you know, really um, lately I've been thinking a lot about sort of, wow, this is a real opportunity for a community approach to one to one to, uh, to one-to-one device programs. Um, and then in my, in my work with parents and, um, you know, the, the, the question that I'm always trying to think about is how do we take the awesome parts of technology and help parents and kids to kind of harness that? And how do we take the wholesome parts, which are harder to come by because the technology has changed so much, and how do we sync up the two, make the awesome a little bit more wholesome and the wholesome a little bit more awesome? So those are the, that's what I'm thinking about. Great. Well, thanks for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. It's great talking to you guys. Yeah, lots of great information to share with our our families and parents and teachers too. <laughs> great. Well, I look forward to listening to it, and we'll continue to listen to the, to the podcast. I think you guys do a great job. Thank you very much. So, in order to find some more information out about uh, Jason or to visit. And Jason's work, you can view his website and the show notes. Also, we'll link to that one-to-one at home and a video on the three types of screen time uh, that Jason referenced during the podcast. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's question, for parents, what strategies will you take away from this podcast and implement in your home environment? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or just find out more about the resources and links we shared in today's episode, check out the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 2, Episode 31. We'd love for you to rate the show on iTunes, let us know your star rating, and consider leaving a one- or two-sentence review. If you have time to do so, you'll help new folks discover this content. That's it for now. We'll see you next episode for another conversation with an innovative thought leader. Thanks again, Jason. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Jason. Bye-bye. Bye. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.